Welcome to Real Financial Planning, broadcast on WKXL, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson. I'm joined, as always, by Mike Morton, the, I, I can't say proprietor anymore, I've said this the last few episodes, and Mike, you kind of ripped me a new one for my choice of words. You <laughs> operate your own business, your own consulting business where you work with clients, Morton Financial Advice. But look, you know, it's kind of like in The Matrix you know, there is no spoon. It's not really about the financial advice. You you kind of work with clients on how to navigate all kinds of life problems that also relate ultimately to their own financial planning. So Mike Morton, welcome back. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's funny you mention it that way because that's exactly how I feel as well. I have, you know, people reaching out to me and they see, oh, financial advisor, right? And suddenly they get this, you know, sitting up straight, they're going to meet this, uh, you know, wealth manager and talking about all the uh, jargon and the stock market and the economy and what we're going to do. And immediately we're diving in on, you know, how's your family? How do you want to spend your time and your energy? What's most important to you? And I feel like I'm just doing a sneaky backdoor way of trying to improve their lives, you know, uh, not really on the finances that that comes in, um, and so it is kind of a bait and switch uh, when people walk in the door. Yeah, you know, people in this kind of line of work, they all have the really good ones. All have an element of that. It's like if you hire a personal trainer, you're sort of trying to outsource a number of things, right? Like you're trying to outsource your own motivation to to work out. You're trying to outsource like. You know, some of the consistency and, you know, someone to kind of kick your butt. Anyway, I, I think you provide a lot yeah. of that. And I'm going to come to you right now with my own question for you. We have not rehearsed this. We have not talked about it in oh, advance. <laughs> um, you know, so this will be interesting. This is like Michael Jordan. We're going to jump and decide what to do in the air. I hope it's going to be a dump. <laughs> All right. All right. And, and one final one final upfront thing. My, my wife told me that I sometimes bring in the example of our own family a little bit too much. And I, maybe I shouldn't do that. We'll see. Oh, so we just did it again. <laughs> well, that's actually what I'm going to jump off from. So here we go. So, All right. I have been wondering recently, I, I, I've been talking to friends of mine about how do you teach your kids some, some basic ideas of, of how to value money, of how to save money, how to, how to plan what they want to spend their money on? How do you do that, especially as they get into that like tween phase where they really do need to learn to make their own decisions with money and you want to tie the money you give them to work and, you know, so that they're earning, they're not just getting. How do you, I'm sure in all of your conversations with your clients, this comes up. Like, what do people do? (laughs) What do you advise people to do? How, How do people handle that? Yeah, it's a very interesting topic and there's a number of different ways to go about it. And of course, again, with the personal finance, it's very personal. And so your family situation, you might have more or less interest in some of the things that we might discuss today, you know, how you want to go about uh, encouraging your kids in this learning opportunity. So kids are growing up and learning all the time. And this reminds me, even at the younger age, we'll get to the, to the tweens as well. But at a younger age, <clears throat> kids don't even know how to spend money, right? And so you have to give them, just like many other uh, teaching opportunities, Give them more rain than you might want because they're trying to figure out how to spend their money. Like my daughter will go in and spend just all her money on candy. And it's like, is that really what you want? You know, do you really want that thing? We've all had a day experience 
as a parent of, say, a five-year-old who's like, I want this thing. It's like, do you really want that thing? So allow them a little bit of space, you know, to go ahead and experience. I spent my money on this thing. And I find this even with my 13-year-old. I spent my money on this thing. Did it really bring you the value you thought? Right. You know, so that's on kind of the spending side. They're, try- they're still trying to figure out how to spend money and how that feels and what brings them joy. Just like, and hey, as adults, we're trying to figure that out too. Is it the experience? Is it the thing? Oh, it turns out I bought this thing. It was great for a few months. And then it kind of, eh, it's just sitting on the shelf now, <laughs> right? So we st- we're still practicing that as well. But that's the first thing that comes to mind as a kid. Like, they're really learning what it feels like to spend money. So you want them to have that incentive to do more work and effort. Not like you're trying to turn your kids into workaholics in the future, but you don't want them to be lazy layabouts either. So one thing that I I think parents are always trying to solve for is how do I tie doing chores, doing, doing what's expected of you to some kind of financial reward for that. But then the, the problem that I feel like I'm always running into and the other parent they're always running into is how is that meaningful if on the other end there's no sense of you know this money that you have is is limited it's valuable it's you only you really want to have it because if they're not then spending it on things that they value if there's not that tie I'm not trying to turn my kids into little cons- – it sounds bad. Like, I'm not trying to turn my kids into little consumerists. But, I mean, ultimately, this is somewhat about the financial planning aspect. And what you want them to come out with on the other end is being wise spenders. So I, I yeah. let's talk about the first end of this first. Do you have any recommendations for how to manage this? Like, for example, one friend who's a listener to this show, one friend of mine, uses an app for chores – and you mm-hmm. do the checklist mm-hmm. of your weekly chores. Those are your expectations. The kid has the responsibility for checking them off when they're completed. And then they get a payment. It's all cashless. And it's like an Apple Pay type thing. And then they have that money to use. Do, do, you, do your clients use stuff like that? Do you recommend stuff like that? Yeah, a couple of comments there. <clears throat> you definitely can do that. Um, and I've had clients do that. I've tried that uh, myself. I have tried a number of systems myself over the years uh, to varying degrees of success. I would caution the tying of chores to the money or the allowance because you also want to encourage your kids to be part of your family and your community. And to run a household just takes effort. And so, you know, if they put away a dish, do they get a quarter? You know, or do they just have to put away the dish because you just use the dish and put it in the dishwasher when you're done? Um, it's polite to get up at the end of the meal and take your plate into the kitchen, rinse it, and put it in the right, dishwasher, right. right? When you're at your house or someone else's house. So, um, or, you know, putting the groceries away. Hey, we just, you know, got a whole load of groceries. They all need to get put away. Are you going to pay them to do that chore or is that just part of being out of the household? So each, again, each family can make their own decisions, but I've definitely read that you want to be careful, could be careful about tying the money to your your expected household chores. And maybe those are decoupled. Hey, you get an allowance because I want you to have your own money. And I'll talk about that in a minute. 
But we also expect you to do these things around the house to just help out and be a good part of the community. And I think there's super valuable lessons in that as well. So you can go, you know, again, personal choice, which way do you want to go? Hey, I'm going to, you know, mowing the lawn is something that I'll pay you 50 bucks for. And it's not a household chore. Uh, You know, it's like, I'm either going to outsource this and pay some other kid or I'm happy to pay you or washing the car. I'll take it to the car wash or you can make 15 bucks um, and wash the car. So that's, that's more how I think about it, um, is that there are certain chores that just have to get done. The allowance is not tied to those chores. But then we have another list of chores that if you want to do them and make some extra money, um, then you can do that as well. I think one of the things that this is pointing out to me, first of all, I think that's clever. And we also have used different systems over the years. Again, I'm, I'm trying, I'm like, I'm hearing my wife in my head like, don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to give away, but I, I, suffice it to say, we've used different approaches, other people, and I think that's one of the hard things is finding something that you can consistently do yourself. Yes. Because look, we're parents, we all have a lot going on. So it's, you don't want to be running like a super, you don't want to be, in addition to everything else, the CEO of your household incorporated where you're kind of, you're trying to manage like the performance of your employees, your kids. And like, here's a, like you have a complicated system, you know? Yeah. And I'll pause. Yeah. I'll pause you there for a sec because that's exactly right, Matt. I found that so many times I'm terrible at like implementing and running a system within my house. And so I've learned slowly trying to learn over the years to simplify what that system is uh, and make it as simple for me and for the family as possible because I'm not going to check in every day, every week, week in and week out. I can, I barely can get to pay my kids. They're hassling me all the time. Hey, can you, you know, when are you going to pay allowance? It's like three months later. Uh, so just keeping up with whatever you decide as a household, you know, make it something that you can be consistent with because that's what you find too. You know, everybody listening knows with kids, it's all about the consistency. As soon as you give an inch, it's like, oh man, it's all over. And this reminds me, it's like the seat, I always use a seatbelt analogy. How often do your kids get in and not put on their seatbelt in the car? Never. Why? Because it's non-negotiable. Like you put it on every single time. And I don't get any, I don't get any complaining about that. Whereas anything else, when I've given an inch ever five years ago, I get endless complaining about the next time we have to do that thing. <laughs> Kids are natural lawyers because they're so great at remembering and citing precedent. If, if you could bottle that and take it forward into like uh, 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 your, your judicial career or you're a clerk for the right. Supreme Court. It's like I remember in 1877 the precedent set in Robeson versus Morton. Um, yeah, I mean that's that, – so that's a big thing, the consistency on the front end. And I like this idea of separating like, yep, no, you just get an allowance – here, here is a an explicit list of things that are that are outside of that, the, outside of regular week to week expectations. Where I'm going to pay you for that, but in order for that to be meaningful, in order for the kid to want to do those things, because otherwise, it's like you can kind of see their point of view, where it's like, why should I bother to do this? No. What does it matter if I have this extra money? You're going to get me all the stuff I need anyway. And uh, yeah, yeah. So that's the other end of it is like, right. how do you create enough, the right amount of scarcity on the other end yep. so that they value having some money? So quick story on that. When my kids were pretty little, uh, I want to say three and six and seven, 
we would go to some markets and you know the the markets where there's all the stalls hundreds of stalls lots of food stuff lots of other items and the kids would go can i have this can i have this can i have this that's what the that was the refrain for the whole hour we're there so then the next time we went i i gave them each like 10 bucks so this is all the money you have for the entire you know market so look around and spend it wisely. So this was teaching them, you know, spend it on something. Of course, they would blow it on on whatever. But it meant it went from, can I have this? Can I have this? To, how much is this? How much is this? How much is this? Because <laughs> they didn't know yet how to even read price tags, right? Um, but it, it's all good lessons. Give them their own money. They've got their $5 or $10 or $50. And I have, them, I have my kids now, you know, they go up to the counter, you know. Oh, you want to buy that pack of gum? Cool. Go ahead. Stand in line. Hold out your five dollars, you know. Put them, put the gum up there. Give them the five dollars. Get your change. Say thank you, right? So even at a young age, teaching them how to spend money, you know, how to interact and be in a store and spend money, um, and so that has continued in the terms of the spending. Money is scarce, so even if my kids get an allowance and they've got a couple hundred dollars in their bank account and they could do some chores to make, you know, do some of these extra jobs to make more money. They understand that it's a limited resource because we go to the store, I make them spend their own money. So from a financial okay. planning standpoint, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, just just lastly, I make them spend their own money on many certain items. Now, whether it's you know food and clothing and stuff, we do that. Um, but many of the other things, oh, I want this, I want this, I want this. Well, we'll give you some stuff for your sports. Oh, new season, you need some new cleats, you know, or whatever it is. But the things that I want... Yep, that's your money. You know, if you want that item. And my kids have learned over pretty quickly that they don't have endless supply of money and they need to be careful where they're going to go ahead and spend it. And then it's interesting how you find like the savers and the spenders, you know, amongst your kids um, who's doing what. So, well, so what about sort of, and this veers now more into sort of the financial planning aspect of this we're all we've talked on this show before about we're all trying to save for college for our kids to what degree do you recommend or do you talk to your clients have you encountered systems that they use bringing them into understanding some of what you're doing there Mm -hmm. like you know do you advise like hey look here's the account we have for you here's how much is in it here's what we're here's what we're putting into it every month um you know here's how much it's going to cost for you to go to college you know here's what it's going to look like we're probably going to need to take some loans you're probably going to have to do some work when do you do you do that and when do you start it yeah definitely recommend thinking about doing it and if it makes sense for you and your family go for it i recommend doing that when they're more the teenagers um when they can start having a better you know they've gone through you know my kids are now um you know 10 12 13 so we're in that phase of what we've just talked about, you know, they've got their money, they've got a few hundred dollars, they're learning how to save it, how to spend on things that are important to them. The next phase would be, you know, 14 to 16 to 18, starting to bring in those conversations about college in in particular. Um, And different, again, you know, whatever approach works for you and your family, but think about it. One way I often frame the college expenses is in in thirds. All right. Try to pre-save a third of the money that you're going to spend for that child's college education. So that would be the five to nines, you know, kind of pre-saving it. Right. One third, you're going to pay from your current income. So when they're in college and you're making money, 
you're going to spend a significant chunk, you know, um, at, you know, paying for that college. And the last third is the kid's obligation, either working during college or taking out student loans. And the student is going to be responsible for that third. Now that's just a framework to start and you can toggle each of those. But in terms of having your child involved in the conversation, you do that during those late teenage years. And here's how much college is going to cost. And if you want to go to this college or this college that has significant difference in costs, you, my friend, might be making up a lot of that difference. Mm. We're going to pay 20000 40000 you know, whatever it is, you're going to make up the difference. So if you really want to go to that other school, that's fine. You're going to have higher student loans. Uh, or you can go to this school and have lower student loans. And, you know, talk about what those student loans are, the monthly, how much it's going to cost per month, you know, all those things to try to help frame it for them and help them understand that. But definitely bring them into the conversation during those years. This kind of takes us back to the top of the show where we were sort of in jest saying that part of what you do is financial planning. Part of what you do is sort of, I don't know, anxiety and stress management for your clients, right? Which is like you're trying to remove a source of stress in their lives. Do you do you find in having these conversations with people about about this particular topic which is, you know, you've got kids, you're saving for them, how do you bring them into the process, etc. Are you kind of riding a line there where you want to introduce things that are stressful, they're anxiety producing. I mean, financial financial issues are the number one source of marital arguments. Right. When they when they look at right. what causes people to fight in their marriages, fights about money is number one, money. Um, which is, you know, so that's a significant source of anxiety in the world. And, you know, I, do you how, how much of that do you help people to manage? Because you don't want to dump that whole weight of the world on kids right. when they're 14. But you also you know, don't want them to kind of blithely go along and think that this this yeah. giant thing is just something that's handed to them either. Yeah. First is that, you know, when I'm working with a family, making sure the parents are on the same page with the values. Mm. Hey, college is, you know, a number one value. We really are going to do everything we possibly can. Uh, so maybe that last third that was the student's responsibility won't be. You know, if parents really make it like that number one priority, they don't want to, you know, sacrifice anything. Usually it's a competing priority. You know, yes, it's really valuable, but there's other things. You've got to retire. I want to, you know, you know, I've got multiple kids. I've got other, other things going on. So I first make sure parents are really clear with the values and how they want to approach it with the child. So the same as we were just talking about with chores when they're younger, make sure you have a system that you agree to um, how you'd like to have the conversation. The other point is, what is more stressful is it putting your head in the sand and arguing and ignoring it? Or is it bringing in your 15-year-old that understands college and how expensive it is? Trust me, they already know, <laughs> you know, um, and just having a conversation, starting it early. Hey, you know, I know college is coming up in a few years. Here's really what we can afford, you know, somewhere in this ballpark right. is what we're thinking. Um, what, which of those is going to be more stressful, just ignoring the conversation until they're 17 and 18 and picking a college now and like, Ooh, I don't, I don't know that we can afford that. (laughs) And then how are you really screwing up your financial plan or having that conversation early and bringing them along for the conversations you're having as the parents, bringing the child into those, um, in a very, you know, ease them in over time. Um, 
And, and I think that's a lot less stressful. Well, I think what that suggests to me, and it, this is, it, it's just kind of a, a thought that sparked. It's not necessarily fully formed, but it does kind of connect back to what you're saying about what you should be thinking about early when, when the kids are a little bit younger. What's the lesson you want them to learn? And maybe, maybe the way to strike that balance between you want the kids to value money, you don't want to just, you don't want to too much tie chores and work to getting paid because it's not like they're earning a salary. But what you, one of the takeaways you want them to have is, is the ability to manage that anxiety that comes later when the stakes are much higher and when the numbers are much mm-hmm. bigger, right? So what you don't want is for them to be totally unprepared when, when you first introduce this to them, maybe when they're 15 or 16. It's like, all right, you're in ninth mm-hmm. grade. Let's start to talk about what the next few years are going to look like. And, you know, we're, we're getting an eye on college because all those stressors are coming in. You start to hear about mm-hmm. PSATs. They have peers who are, you know, like maybe a grade or two ahead. So maybe what you're, maybe what you're trying to achieve earlier on is to actually set your goal toward here is a larger purchase that we're going to make for you. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to come up with a plan. Right? It's not something we're going to pay for all on our own. We will pay for some of it. We're going to save for some of it ourselves. And we'll pay for some of it ourselves. And you're going to contribute a certain amount through your extra work. And maybe you do that for like a year. And you say, all right, look, here is a larger, you know, you need a bike or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. here's how we're going to do this. And you kind of model it. And in a way, it reduces anxiety later. Because you've already gone through the process of, all right, I know that this is a big number, but I have a plan for how to get there. And actually, if I keep chipping away at it, I find that I get there, I did it, and it wasn't too bad. I mean, maybe that's what you're trying to model earlier on. Yeah, it's all about having those conversations around values. Okay, so getting, you know, starting with the young kids, how do you spend money and getting that experience about spending money? And then as they get older, having conversations that we can't afford everything. No one can afford everything. And so what are the trade-offs? Hey, you know, what kind of vacation, you know, getting the kids involved, what kind of vacation would you like to take this year? Here's a budget. (laughs) You know, what would you like to do? What kind of things, you know, they make their Christmas lists and they have an idea of like, Here's how much kind of we spend on gifts at birthdays and Christmas. Here's the kind of parties that we have. What do you want? You know, what are the trade-offs? What would you like to do? Do you want to go to a a baseball game or do you want to have a party with seven Mm. friends? You know, Um, so getting them involved in the financial conversations from the family level is also just very helpful, right? I mean, you're having the conversations amongst the parents already. So as the kids get older, bring them in and say, you know, Here's the trade-offs. Here's the value. Here's what we value. Try it out. Your kids are going to have different values than you, and that's okay, but try something out. See how it feels to you. Um, so I think that's very, I think you're right on that, that you want to start as young as you can. And if you haven't, start today and bring them into the conversations and allow them to experience spending, experience saving, experience the trade-offs. Do you want this thing or this thing? You can't afford both. Um, and then, you know, as the stakes get higher, you know, you just continue those conversations. It really ri- reminds me of there was a great documentary about 20 years ago called Spellbound. It was about kids 
in the national spelling bee. And actually, most of these kids, I mean, it was just, it was incredible. What was so interesting was the parents. Many of these kids were the children of immigrants. And there was this father from India who I just, what he said in the movie just stuck with me so much, which was the whole point to him of having his kid, it was his kids, compete in the spelling bee was, in his words, to teach them what it is to strive for something that's very difficult and to show them what it takes to do that. And then, you know, what that what that does for you is you achieve some success and you gain confidence and it leads to an ongoing pattern of success. I think that's what I take away from this discussion we're having here, which is what you're ultimately trying to do is while you're still kind of in the sandbox of it, have them learn what it's like to do what you do, make a plan, execute the plan, and gain the confidence of, okay, I can do this. I know how to do the mechanics of it, and I know I'm going to get there if I stick to the plan. Mike Morton, thanks so much. Thanks, Matt.